So I never thought I was going to be a stay-at-home mom ever. I I always thought that I would have the career and you know, one of the reasons that I chose journalism was because I felt like it was flexible enough that, you know, if I ever did go back to work or ever did have kids, I would be able to do the work-life balance thing. Yeah, the closer I got to that end of that first maternity leave, the more that I didn't want to go back to work. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I recorded with Martha Adams, a certified financial planning professional, teacher and author about money. Martha and our guest this week, Elaine Capagines are good friends and they work closely together. Having had two conversations so closely to one another about women in business, I'm excited to share even more perspectives with you about leading from your heart. Welcome to The Safe Haven, a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life. In this episode, Elaine opens up about creating a business and a life that she loves, one that models perseverance and dedication, balance and love to her two daughters. Pre-recording, Elaine and I were talking about how she and her family moved so often during her childhood because of her dad's job. Her family moved 10 times before graduating high school. I can't even comprehend that because I went to one school from K to eight and then another one from nine to 12. And I still know the majority of the people I went to school with. Yeah. So I think that's, that's probably more of a normal experience. Um, growing up, I didn't realize that, that I was maybe not having the normal childhood experience, but I certainly realized it as I got over, (laughs) as I got older, I realized that people didn't move all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so why were you moving around so often? Um, so it was, it was just for my dad's job. So he, uh, worked in automotive finance for a huge multinational company. And during that time, so this was, uh, in the eighties and nineties, they had a lot of offices, um, basically all over, uh, essentially all over the world, but we were, we were just in Canada and we, we lived down in the States for a couple of years. Um, but basically, every time that there was an opportunity for a, a promotion within the company, it usually was in a different location. And mm-hmm. my dad would normally accept the position. So it was to his benefit because he moved up in the company very, very quickly. But with that, we were moving on an average probably every two years. Mm-hmm. The longest we ever stayed in a place was five years. The shortest we ever stayed in a place was 11 months. <laughs> Wow. How do you maintain friendships? I think of how important friendships are for kids when they're growing up. How did you maintain friendships with your friends? All of that moving? Um, to be honest with you, I didn't maintain friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, they served their purpose. And then it was just sort of time to move on. As I got older, I was able to, you know, uh, this was pre internet days. So there was, you know, writing some letters and phone calls. But yeah, for the most part, a lot of those early friendships just kind of naturally took their course, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I definitely still have some friends that I keep in touch with. Um, probably one of my oldest friends, we're, we're not in constant contact. But you know, if I send her a message, um, she's around. But I've known her probably for um, probably 25 years. Um, so I have, yeah, so I have a very small group of friends, but, uh, yeah. And then as I got into high school, you know, the, the internet and email became more of a thing. So I was able to keep a lot better touch with my friends. So I do have some friends from high school that I still see regularly. And we, you know, we'll all been to each other's weddings and get together at the cottages every once in a while. So, but yeah, I, I I don't have those like really long-term friends. I, you know, those friends that I had in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. I just don't. 
have them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Has, has that affected your friendship circle now? Do you find that you have like a really close core group of friends? My, my family is really important to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I have a, I have a younger sister. Um, we're actually really close in age. We're only 22 months apart. Um, so we were only a year apart in school. So we were just very, we were physically very close to each other mm-hmm. growing up. And then, uh, my parents had a really strong relationship and by extension, we have a very strong relationship with my parents. So they're still my like go-to core support system is my, my parents and my sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my husband and my kids, I'm closer with my family than anybody else in the entire world. We, you know, have sort of our little inner, inner circle and it takes a lot to get into that inner circle. Yeah. Oh, I love <laughs> um, that though. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah. So in terms of friendships, I definitely have lots of, you know, friendships. I actually, uh, so when I was um, working on, so I I owned a magazine for a while. So when I was working on the magazine, I actually, I had my own podcast and I interviewed uh, somebody, a really good friend of mine about mom friends. And I think what really what we were talking about was that for me, friendships, you know, they have a time and a place and a purpose. And I feel like a lot of the time that, you know, not that friendships are disposable, but, you know, there are certain people that you have in your life for a given amount of time. And then, you know, a lot of the time those friendships kind of run their natural course. And I think work friends are a really great example. I've had tons of great people that I've worked with, worked really, really closely with. But once I left that work situation, they weren't friends that I continued to keep in touch with afterwards. So, for me, I, I would never say that friendship is disposable, but it definitely, um, I think that they ebb and flow and a lot of them, you know, do end in a very organic way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. There is time and a purpose for friendships. And then I can also see the ones that have a lot of value that is a mutual benefit or value to both parties are going to be the ones that last a lifetime. Absolutely. And I definitely have those friends that I will have forever and, you know, that I talk to on a regular basis. But yeah, it's a really small group of people. Mm -hmm. You just said two things that went pew pew in my mind. One of them was that you owned a magazine and the other one was that you hosted a podcast. Okay. So now you got to tell me all about this. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so right now my business is Wilshire Media and I'm, uh, really focusing in on, uh, doing PR media strategy, content creation and marketing. Um, so that's the direction that I've been taking, but this is actually a relatively new direction for Wilshire Media. The business itself has been around for five years. Um, I registered it when my first daughter was about just over a year old with the intention of starting a media company. And then I ended up launching uh, a magazine called The Holistic Parent Magazine, which was a natural health and wellness magazine for families in the Waterloo region. So I was printing 5,000 copies four times a year for five years. It was incredibly successful and it was a really, really fun project. But again, it kind of, it came to its natural conclusion about uh, just before Christmas. So this whole, the Wilshire Media doing this media strategy stuff is is a little bit new er for me, but the business has actually been around for about five years. That's really, really cool that you did that for as long as you did and had as much success as you did. Like, congrats. That's huge. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then yeah, with the podcast, so about a, about two years ago, I think, um, I started to branch out a little bit and explore. Expo- so um, the Holistic Parent was a print magazine. So I was reaching out to sort of explore some different content creation options and extensions from uh, the Holistic Parent. So I actually hosted a Mother's Day market this time last year. 
um, where I had 30 vendors come in and we did like a self-care market for moms, um, did the podcast. I did a, a one season podcast, um, sort of had a very active blog on my website. So yeah, it was a lot of fun sort of figuring out how I could take the holistic parent, expand it into different mediums and then kind of trying different ways of, of growth. And it was, it was fantastic. It was, was such a fun time for the magazine. Do you have any interest in continuing your podcast or jumping back into that? You know what? I really loved podcasting. I didn't think I would as much as I did, but for me, podcasting, it feels like it's coming back to my roots in journalism. I always focused on print journalism, but you know, part of going to journalism school is you get the print and broadcast. Mm -hmm. So the idea of doing longer form interviews, having a conversation with a person um, that, you know, felt a little bit more organic versus interviewing somebody with the intention of writing an article. Um, I liked the format. I don't know that I would do... I don't know that I personally would start one up again. It was, as you know, it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, yeah, in terms of like moving forward with the platform, I, you know, love being interviewed for podcasts. And then I would also, uh, I've been approached um, about producing podcasts as well under the Wilshire Media banner. So that would definitely be something that I would consider doing is is sort of on the production side of things. Very cool. I feel like podcasts, well, I've read some funny statistics now too, that because of this lockdown and isolation thing that a couple glasses of wine and everyone's like, we should start a podcast. And so like everyone in their cousin's trying to start one. Oh my gosh, honestly, they are so fun. This is a passion 100% I didn't know that I would ever have. And we are recording on May 6th. So I'm unsure at this point exactly what date it's going to be released. But what I can say as of right now, having a podcast, a successful one, was not anything that I'd ever considered a year ago now. It kind of been something I thought about. I was like, yeah, it'd be sweet to host a podcast. That'd be about it. But it wasn't until May 8th and 9th last year where it really started to roll in my mind. And my birthday is on May 10th. And so May 9th, I went to bed that night and I just remember thinking like a podcast, a podcast, a podcast, like how can I do this? And like trying to come up with a name and I was like, I'm not going to pull the trigger on anything until I actually have a name that I can run with for this. And then it happened and I had this message that was like the safe haven podcast. And I thought, and the next morning, even before I started teaching, I got up, I had the URL booked. I had the Instagram handle. I had the email address. I had all the things. And then Boom. It's just happened. So it's amazing. I can't I can't tell you the number of times I've been stuck on a launch because I couldn't mm-hmm. come up with a name. Yeah. It's <laughs> hard. It's so important. But you know what? It's these small details that make totally. a difference, right? And and this is a lot of what I talk about when I'm working with my yeah. marketing clients is it really is the small details and it shows people that you, you know, are really passionate yeah. about what you're doing. And this isn't something that you're just throwing together, that you know, you're putting your heart and soul into this project and and people people understand that yeah they do right they can they can see through they can see through the superficial Mm -hmm. and they know when you're you know you're really pouring your heart into something totally totally yeah oh oh my gosh okay well we should go off of podcast because i could go on and on and on about (laughs) i really feel that your career path has very much been the same for you yeah for sure i definitely feel like every step of my career has been a really organic progression. You know, not that I want to say that, you know, if you're not struggling for something, it's not the right thing to do. But I've always kind of felt um, that I, I sort of lead with mm-hmm. my gut. 
And if an opportunity comes up and I don't feel like it's, you know, in my gut, I don't feel like it's the right opportunity, then, you know, you have to back off and say no sometimes. But everything that I've ever said yes to that's brought me on this career path has really worked out very, very well Mm -hmm. for me. You know, I kind of fell into journalism Um, it wasn't something that I ever, as a child ever was like, I'm going to be a journalist, I'm going to own a magazine, or I'm going to write for newspapers. I was always drawn towards writing and that sort of that creative arts side of things. I have a degree, I have a bachelor's degree in English and philosophy. So I spent a lot of time reading and writing. And then once kind of I finished my degree, I wasn't, I wasn't entirely sure what my direction was going to be. I kind of went down the path of law school because um, I thought that was something that I would be good at. You know, all the philosophy majors at the time were kind of applying to law school. And it never, it never really felt right to me, even though, even after I said to my parents, after I hit send, even on my application to law school, I was like, I really don't think that I want to go to law school. (laughs) So yeah, so with that, I started to do some research and figure out like, I knew that I couldn't go out into the job world. Um, This was in, I graduated in 2004. Um, I couldn't go out into the job world with a degree in English and philosophy. So I knew that I needed to do something else. Um, So I kind of stumbled on the idea of going to journalism school. And I ended up at Humber College in uh, North York area, I guess, and just absolutely fell in love with the program. From the first day that I walked in to do my my admissions interview, uh, and they were running through the activities and and like what the course, you know, what the two, the next two years of my life were going to be like, I just absolutely fell in love with the entire process of not just the writing, but the, the business side of publishing really intrigued me. So yeah, I just, I, I did, I love journalism school. I did really well in journalism school and got hired as soon as I graduated. And like I said, every step of the way from there has just been a very natural and organic progression. Mm-hmm. So when officially did you start? Um, oh, and I also just because I remember pre recording, why you have named the business the way that you did or why you named the business <laughs> what you did, because I think it's so beautiful. And then just tell us about how that particular business came to be. Yeah, sure. So uh, my business right now is called Wilshire Media. So uh, Wilshire is my maiden name. And um, I, when I was trying to think of a name for the business, I had a few different ideas in mind. But what I really gravitated towards was using my maiden name as um, a bit of a tribute to my parents. I actually had a really hard time changing my name after I got married. <laughs> There's Because I also didn't get married. I was, I was 29 when I got married. So and I'd already had my career and my all my bylines and you know, everything that I had put out uh, had been published was under my maiden name. So I sort of had this like, weird kind of feeling about even changing my name um, when I got married. But you know, I decided to go for it. So I really liked the idea of having my business attached to my maiden name, uh, again, as sort of a tribute to my parents. Um, especially because my dad, I would say is probably my biggest influence in business. So to kind of, you know, almost do a little tribute to them, um, was really important to Mm -hmm. me. I think it's beautiful. Thank you. And then, um, yeah, so the business itself started, uh, when my first daughter was born. So I was working full time for a, a trade publication. I was an associate publisher at a trade publication when I got pregnant with my daughter 
And the plan was to take my one year maternity leave and then go back to work. Um, You know, I'd already had a 10 year career, almost a 10 year career when I got pregnant. So I never thought I was going to be a stay at home Mm -hmm. mom ever. I I always thought that I would have the career. And, you know, one of the reasons that I chose journalism was because I felt like it was flexible enough that, you know, if I ever did go back to work or ever did have kids, I would be able to do the work life balance thing. Yeah, the closer I got to that end of that first maternity leave, the more that I didn't mm-hmm. want to go back to work. <laughs> I hear that a lot with my mom friends. <laughs> yeah, I really just wanted to, my my heart was just not mm-hmm. into it. And it was a really, really hard decision because I loved that job. I loved the people I worked with. You know, it, it had taken me, I think it was about eight years at that point of my career to get to a senior level mm-hmm. management position. So to say goodbye to that was really uh, a difficult decision, but 100% the right decision. And as soon as I actually made the decision, I knew it was the right one. Um, so during, yeah, sort of during that first year, I kept my foot in my career. I was uh, freelancing. I was taking some side projects and it was fine. But eventually, once I made the decision to stay home full time, I knew that I still wanted to do something. And I'd, I had owned a magazine previously. I started uh, my first magazine in 2008. So I'd already gone through the process of starting a magazine. Um, I knew the business side a lot better now than I did in 2008. And yeah, I just sort of saw this opportunity in the natural health area. And I was really into natural health when my daughter was born. So to me, it just seemed, again, it was a very organic decision. This opportunity came up and I jumped at it. And yeah, so I registered the business under Wilshire Media. And then uh, in September of 2014, I launched the first issue of The Holistic Parent. And yeah, it ran for five years. I think it's really, really awesome. And that, like you said, that natural progression of just where everything's at. So what would you say today is predominantly what keeps you the most busy? Um, well, <laughs> my kids, because they're home 24 Yeah, I was just going to say, besides your children? <laughs> Um, from the business side of things. So I've really started to work more with clients. Mm-hmm. So I'm really enjoying producing content for other people. So I've spent a lot of time producing content for myself in my own business. So like I was saying with uh, the magazine and, and doing all of my social media and even doing the podcast, I was producing content for myself. So I've really enjoyed being on the flip side of that is kind of being at a higher level and being able to advise and do the the content production for clients. So yeah, I mean, you know, two sides of the same coin, but uh, definitely a little bit of a different perspective these days. So that's definitely keeping me busy is just, you know, working with the, the few clients that I have and then continuing on the growth trajectory that I was on before we were all in lockdown for two Mm -hmm. months. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we have no idea how much longer that's going to continue or what's, what's coming our way. Yeah. Where are you heading with your business or what would kind of your next big step in Wilshire Media be? Um, so the, I mean, obviously the bigger goal is to, uh, take on more clients. So right now, um, because I was making the transition from, I, I, I hate the term solopreneur, but I really am. I'm, I'm a one woman mm-hmm. show. I kind of do everything. Um, and that worked really well with the magazine in terms of a natural progression. It's been a lot easier for me to, to just stay as, you know, one person, but I'm really limited on the number of clients that I'm able to take because I am also still balancing to kids and being at home and 
all that. So yeah, the bigger picture is definitely to grow the business to a point where I, you know, I'll be able to have employees and I'll be able to take on more business, more clients. And, you know, I'm definitely looking towards the States right now as a big market opportunity. So yeah, definitely, definitely big growth vision. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like to Um, always ask about goals. How do you set goals and how do you hold yourself accountable for your goals? I set goals. Usually I'm not one for New Year's resolutions. I've always set goals at the beginning of the year. Sometimes they're small goals. Sometimes they're big picture goals, but I definitely have those in mind. They're written in my notebook and I refer to those goals regularly. And then I've also, I'm a really, I'm just a big picture thinker. Again, I don't like using those kind of cliched terms, but I really do enjoy looking at the big picture and projecting where things can go in the future. So that definitely keeps the blinders on and and keeps me pushing forward. Keeping myself accountable, that's an interesting question. Being somebody who works by themselves, it's really a lot about Mm -hmm, mm self-motivation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely have to be very self-motivated. I work really well under a deadline. Mm -hmm, And this is... I think, yeah, I really think this was one of the reasons that I gravitated towards journalism because there is that pressure of a deadline looming. And I really, really work well under that type of pressure. Even when I'm talking to my clients and we're creating schedules and we're creating action plans and PR campaigns, I build in deadlines. And that really, for me, helps with my time management. It helps with my scheduling and it helps me stay accountable to my client and then vice versa is that my client also is accountable to me as well. Mm -hmm. I like that. Actually, I teach high school. So I've been talking to some of my students about procrastinating and how what the split is with students that actually do better when they procrastinate and then they feel that bit of time pressure and then they pound out great work. Whereas other people are like, "Mm -mm, can't do that. That freaks me out or that they don't work under that stress. Yeah, that uh, I'm definitely on the the procrastinator side of things. Um, (laughs) That was how I got through school. But again, it was really one of the reasons I think that I was drawn towards journalism is because that there is a hard deadline. Totally. I've worked at newspapers. I've worked at weekly newspapers and you don't get you don't get your story filed on time. You don't get published that week. So I like that pressure and I work very well under pressure. So I I like building in those deadlines because if I don't have a deadline, I do feel like I sort of default into that kind of procrastination Mm -hmm. cycle. (laughs) What are some personal practices that you have to maintain a sense of balance or equilibrium in your own life? Well, I'm the mom of two small children who runs a business out of her house. So I'm not entirely sure the balance (laughs) is really in my vocabulary. Yeah, Yeah, I think for me, it's always been about, um, I do my best to try to compartmentalize Mm -hmm. my time. So, you know, when I'm working on the business, I'm really focused on utilizing that time as best as I possibly can. And then I'm able to shut down and direct my focus entirely on my girls. I really find that I start to slip just in terms of like feelings of being overwhelmed or, you know, that frustration steps up a lot when I'm trying to do both at the same time, when I'm trying to work and I'm trying to watch the kids at the same time. And I just start to feel really overwhelmed with that, with splitting my attention like that. And then I don't think it's fair because I'm not doing my work a hundred percent and I'm not, you know, being a mom a hundred percent. So I've really had to work and, and this has taken a lot of practice, you know, like I've been doing this for five years. I never had any care for my girls. Um, I, they were always home with me. So I never had any childcare 
yeah, until the girls essentially went to school. So I've really had to practice that compartmentalizing. You know, when the girls go to bed, I work. There's times where I, they go to bed at, you know, 7, 30, 8 o'clock. I'll jump on my computer at 8.30 and then I'll work till midnight, one in the morning, two in the morning, whatever it is, because I can really dedicate my time and my energy and my focus onto that one task. So it's taken practice and, and definitely during this lockdown hasn't been the greatest use of time. It's, it's difficult. I mean, yeah, I can totally understand. I spent a couple weeks with my sister and her kids at their house. And then I've since come to a family cottage and it's just me. And so I've been doing a lot of reflecting in that. How was I able to balance my time there for five, six weeks? How am I able to balance it here? And I've actually found that I still feel overwhelmed in a way. There's completely different things that are consuming my time or my energy. But I also feel like whether it's consciously or subconsciously, I've been putting more recordings or meetings or phone calls or conference calls on my agenda. And then I go, wait a second. It's just you now, girlfriend. You know, pull the reins in. You know, (laughs) you should be able to do your full-time high school teaching job and still have the balance to do the podcast and enjoy doing both, but also show up as your best self for both. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is as soon as, you know, once we hit that level, once we hit a certain level of stress, you know, we default, Mm -hmm. right? So when I'm under stressed, my default is to feel very overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll look at my to-do list or I'll start thinking about all the things that need to get done. And it's those feelings of overwhelm. So Definitely. That's what I default to. So even during this time when we've been in lockdown for at this point, almost two months, you know, I keep thinking like, Oh my God, I've got so much time. We don't do anything all day. We're just in the house. Like how at the end of the day, have I not accomplished anything? But it's because I'm dwelling so much on what I have to do that I almost become paralyzed (laughs) with indecision. And then I get nothing. I hear you. Right. And that for me, that's definitely a default. And it's something that I have to be very conscious of to make sure that I am utilizing my time in a very effective way. So at the end of the day that I do feel like that I have accomplished something, because like I said, I also have a four and a half year old and a seven year old running around my house. So, you know, it's like, what's that, that analogy of like trying to brush your teeth while eating an Oreo. Yeah. Like that's what I feel like my my house is like right now. (laughs) So no matter how much I get done in a day, at the end of the day, it's still Oh, a hundred (laughs) percent. And a side note, you just said Oreos. If you haven't tried the fudge covered mint Oreos, is it ever worth it? (laughs) They are, they taste like those girl guide cookies, the mint girl guide cookies. I have a box in the freezer and they are so darn good. That's awesome. My seven-year-old is obsessed with mint everything. Well, so there you go. I will probably have to get her <laughs> yes, some of those. <laughs> definitely. Um, I like to switch things up a bit and ask some safe haven style questions if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. What are you most proud of? Uh, that's an easy answer. My, my two girls. Um, so I have two daughters and... I am just, I'm so proud of the little people that they are. And, you know, I know that that has a lot to do with the mom that I am. And I am just, I'm so proud that I get to be the mom that I want to be. And I'm so proud that I get to be a mom to these two girls. And I know that has a lot to do with, you know, the the life that I've chosen in terms of being, running a business at home you know, I get to be a part of their lives in a way that I would not get to, um, if, you know, 
if the situation was different. So I'm just really proud of the mom that I am. And I'm proud of two little girls that I have. And I love too that they are still so young. You have such a long life ahead with them. So that is really exciting. That's a beautiful answer. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, kind of a follow-up to that is, is what would you like to be known for? Um, You know, that is such a great question. I think the easy answer would be that I would want to be known as, you know, a good business person, a good business woman, somebody who made waves in the business world. But really what I want to be known for is for being the kind of mom that I wanted to be. And there was a whole series of decisions that needed to be made in order to make this happen that I got to be a stay-at-home mom for my girls. And then I got to start a business. This is, you know, not something that everybody gets to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband and I had to make some decisions along the way in order to make that happen. And I really want my girls to remember me as somebody who put them first, but also that I was able to do something for myself as well. My business and working on my business is my self-care. It's what feeds my soul. It's what keeps me sane. And it's what really keeps my adult brain functioning. And I want my girls, I want to be known for somebody who put them first, but also, you know, that I was somebody outside of just being their mom. I have so much respect for that because having read Rachel Hollis's books and following along with her and starting Untamed by Glennon Doyle and just understanding how much it takes. I'm not a mom, but gosh, some of my best friends and my sister are moms, right? And I have moms all around me to know how much effort it takes physically, emotionally, mentally, all day long, every day, even when you're sleeping, you wake up and you think about your kids. I mean, it's constant. So to have learned or to prioritize things that help you be your best self first, kudos to you, girlfriend. That's mega. That is so mega. And I really think that being able to look after yourself like this, and if your work is your self-care, looking after yourself best is honoring your husband and your daughters in the best way possible. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I I do get that question a lot, Um, you know, especially when I was running the magazine and I would be going out meeting people and doing presentations and stuff. And, you know, the idea of self-care was really kind of an emerging concept, Um, especially when I had my first daughter seven years ago. People were just sort of starting to talk about the idea of self-care. And, you know, I was always at a bit of a loss of what my self-care was. And then I actually wrote an article about, you know, kind of redefining self-care a little bit. And it was in writing that article that I really came to the realization that my business is my self-care. I feel more like myself and I feel I get so much energy from doing what I do with my business that that for me is when I have a spare moment, the only thing I want to do is work on my business. And it really does feed my energy and I've fully accepted that. And I don't like the term, but I'm, you know, you lean into that, right? And I, I've really come to rely on my business as something that I am able to do for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is solely you. That's incredible. And congratulations. I mean, it's, you've had so much success with it. And by everything that we've talked about, I can only see it growing. If you had one message for the world right now, what would it be? Oh, hang in there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's we're in such a bizarre situation right now, just in terms of having this lockdown happening. You know, I think people really just need to give themselves a little bit of grace. And 
I feel like there's a lot of pressure on everybody right now, especially I do run in circles of small businesses and small business owners. And there's just this real pressure right now to make the most of this time, right? Of this pause, whatever you want to call it, where, you know, there's this real drive to take a course or better yourself in some way or, or start a business or grow a business. And I think that there's just so much pressure on people right now that, I think my advice would be just to enjoy what you're doing right now and don't put so much pressure on yourself to make this a productive time. A lot, you know, I I do feel like my business is, I haven't had to shut my business down. I've been able to work on it, but this is nowhere near what I wanted my business to be at when I was projecting six months ago. Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with that. I'm spending so much time with my girls and we're trying to balance work and my husband's working from home now too, which is a completely different situation for us and trying to help the girls out with their schoolwork. And it's just so much right now that I have to accept that we're just all doing the best that we can. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this, we're all going to be fine. And the business is going to be fine. Our family's going to be fine. We've just all got to just take a step back and not put so much pressure on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that is probably advice that people could take even after this is done is just not to put so much pressure on ourselves just to be constantly productive and constantly hustling. It's not a great way to live. <laughs> yeah, it burns us out. It really does. It it does. And especially, you know, when you're talking about moms, especially, right? We just, we take on so much. We take on so much with work and so much with life. And it's just, we put so much pressure on ourselves that we just, I I don't think people give themselves enough credit to just take a deep breath and relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's a powerful message. Yeah. I think we're just living in this world right now, especially with, with social media and stuff. There's just this idea that you have to be hustling all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something that I've really had to work on is working smarter, not harder. You can't work all the time and you can't just keep this hustle up all the time. You've got to work efficiently. And that's how, that's how you're going to push your business forward. It is just not this constantly being on a hamster wheel with this culture of hustling all the time. Yeah, actually, uh, Lise Wilcox, I interviewed her a couple weeks ago. Hers releases um, or released, I guess, in this case on May 11th. And we were talking about the hamster wheel and about how right now it's almost as if it's been forced to stop. And so much is coming up and so much of who am I? What do I do? What actually do I want to do? All of these things have been coming Mm -hmm. up and they're really making us reevaluate who we are, who we want to be and what have we spent our time doing thus far. Absolutely. And I've heard a lot of people talking about, you know, I'm, I'm on Instagram a lot just in terms of like, that's where a lot of my business comes from. But I've heard a lot of people talking about the idea that they're really having a hard time absorbing even how to slow down. A lot of people have been forced to shut down their businesses. It's not like they can even, they can't even, they can't work on them right now. So you're right. There's this sort of, there's this gap in time where we're all, there's a lot of people kind of sitting there having to face questions that they that they maybe haven't had to ask themselves until That's this right. point and yeah. that can be really hard. <laughs> oh, super confronting. Right, it's giving but again, it's giving yourself the grace and it's giving yourself that opportunity and leaning into those feelings and and figuring out where those came from and and what the next steps are, right? Mhm. 
Oh, I have appreciated your time so much. This was so fun. Isn't I really like this. I know. So I back to our podcast chat. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? podcasts are so fun. <laughs> it's, just, it's a good opportunity to have a conversation with totally. somebody, right? And, yes. And, yeah. And, and let it kind of flow in an organic way. Totally. So. And it's a fun way to network too. And that's why I always like to make sure that people know where to find you on social media as well. Yeah. So I'm, uh, so I'm at Wilshire media. So on Instagram, I'm uh, Wilshire underscore media. Um, you can also search uh, my name, Elaine Capuchins on Facebook. I'm not as active on Facebook. I use Instagram as kind of my main hub. I am on Facebook though, at uh, Wilshire media one. And then my website is wilshiremedia.ca. And I will have all of these linked in the podcast notes for anyone interested. You can just scroll down and click the links. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I really, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Elaine, thank you so much for sharing your stories and values in life, business, and parenting with my listeners and I. To my listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Safe Haven. It means so much to me, honestly, as this podcast grows. If this podcast episode resonated with you, I encourage you to reach out to Elaine and follow her on her social media platforms. A simple way that you can help this podcast grow is to screenshot your podcast screen while you're listening to this podcast and then share it with your friends via social media. Be sure you tag us so that we can personally thank you for it. You can find The Safe Haven on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to check out FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com. Thanks for listening and I will talk to you next week.